Hello, hello, hello. We are Daichi, Solomon and Adra. Adra and Solomon. Whichever way you want to say it. And you're listening to Afromythos, a podcast where we discuss all things African mythology, folklore and culture. Thank you for taking the time to explore this amazing world with us. In today's minisode, we'll be telling you some stories about Aziza, the king of the Urubo forest, not to be confused with the Aziza, the supernatural fairies of Dahomey mythology. The Urubo pantheon, not to be mistaken with Yoruba, features a fascinating and diverse array of divinities. And I covered the Aziza briefly in our last episode, so go back and check it out. It's episode two, Angry Little People, for more on that. And without further ado, let's take it away. This excerpt was taken from the Yoruba Historical Society by Uchuko J. Tanukari. Those who have seen Aziza were said to be those whom he wants to take as its children. Aziza could decide to take anyone he chooses, especially when that person is born with a long twisted hair. It could happen that the person Aziza has so decided upon was walking in the midst of other people. Once it decides on anybody, the next thing it does is to pass an idea into his mind. Such a person would now fabricate an excuse by saying that he wants to ease himself. When he has gone um, to do so, and when no one is seeing him, abruptly, a kind of strange blustery feeling overwhelms him as, as if he's fallen into a trance. Before his very eyes, he discovers that everything has changed preternaturally into a whole new world. It was Aziza's abode. There and then, Aziza brings its wisdom and tactics to play. He will ask its prey um, the kind of food he prefers most to eat, thus giving him various alternatives to choose from. Whatever he chooses is what he's going to be, be eat for seven days and seven nights of trial. In fairness to Aziza's tradition, amongst those assorted dis- dishes comprises um, the inclusion of native chalk, or also called ore. <laughs> Aziza detests greedy people passionately and so if its new catch tends to choose from the array of palatable menus set before him and foregoes the native chalk, Aziza would dance around in jubilation. In its victim's mind, he will feel that Aziza's jubilant state was due to the fact that he has shown him immense love and trust by eating its food, but he'll be mistaken. A kind and proper miscalculation. In Aziza's heart of hearts, he believes that his prey was a greedy person. In no time, he chops off one of his legs and chops off one of his arms um, with a cutlass-like objects. And suddenly, that person becomes a member of Aziza's household. The leg and hand he chopped off were what um, he used to prepare the first few meals um, with which he will entertain its new child. On the other hand, if the victim abandons the food set before him and decides to eat from the native chalk instead, he will sense that Aziza is not happy and is, in a, and is not in a happy mood. And this is because all his positive expectations and plans for keeping um, that person to himself forever has now been shattered. The victim is no longer suitable for its intended purpose. That is the purpose of becoming Aziza's child. The mere fact that after seven days its victims will depart for good saddens its heart. Throughout his stay, Aziza will be dazed for days. So I thought that the fact that you can only see Aziza um, if he wants to take her as a child is wild because like, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see him. <laughs> like, 
Um, but it also reminds me of, you know, that anime that we were watching. Yeah. Um, I forgot what it's called. Murako-chan. Yeah, Murako-chan. Um, where she, it's, it's a girl who can see ghosts, but she pretends not to. Yeah. And I literally feel like I'll, I'll have to do the exact yeah, same yeah. thing. Honestly. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, that's my story. Nice. So in some Urubo folklores, Aziza is believed to be a black god who takes everything that is associated with black and therefore loads anything that's red. So that explains why no hunter um, in Urubo will ever take a black dog along with him for hunting because it's said that Aziza will think it's his and steal the dog. Basically, let me tell you a story of an excerpt um, from one elderly man. So he said that I've never seen Aziza in spite of the facts that I tread the forest at awkward moments, but I felt its awe and presence on several occasions. So the first time was when he hit one of the huge trees beside me terrifyingly as I was tapping the evening rubber away. The second was when it passed through the bushy part of my compound. It was from that time I realised that its mere passage of a place can spoil so many plantation trees. What made it to pass on that fateful day of October the 22nd, 1976, I still couldn't know. The the third time was when I went for a hunting expedition in the um, the early hours of the night. Little did I know that I was hunting in its territory. So as I began to hunt, it also started hunting. It was then that I knew exactly what was happening. The voice he used sounded che-che, whatever that means. And it reminded me of the many tales I've heard about it. In no time, he put out my light. It was in that day that I discovered that if he is hunting and another hunter is hunting, that hunter will not kill. The last time was when my wife and I went for rubber tapping. It was somewhere around 1988. The time was about 11pm. As we tapped on, the whole place suddenly became breezy. This was not a normal breeze, but sorry, this was not a normal breeze that me and my wife hear every day, but it started mimicking whatever noise or sound was made through our tapping. Neither my wife nor I replied to the charade of sound. At a point, it started hitting a nearby tree. This was followed by his usual hunting songs and shooting of his gun, which seemed to have a boom sound. After that, we felt that it had already surrounded us. It was at this point that my wife fell in a swoon, like they do in Bridgerton. (laughs) And the kind of fear that gripped me on that fateful day can hardly be described by words. So that's one old man's um, several counts. It seems that he's kind of met the Aziza a few times which is a bit wild but yeah that's crazy so it sounds like it's very real to to the people that are able to see him yeah yeah I mean so much so that the hunters don't take black dogs hunting with them because they feel like the dogs will be stolen by Aziza so yeah it's very very ingrained (laughs) yeah no it's wild I'm just surprised that he doesn't take those people. So maybe he chooses some people. Oh, I guess he chooses some to be his children and others. And others, yeah. And just he just scares them. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a trickster as well. He is indeed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I did read that one way to kind of um, make sure he doesn't like take you or follow you, or whatever, is to um, like cover the forest with tobacco. <laughs> uh, I also read something cool about him um, that apparently he. Um, a lot of his power lies in his long plaited thread-like hair. 
Oh. Yeah, and it says that um, the hair, his hair can be used for many wonderful things. So, like, his hair has three notable features. Number one, it can suspend in the air when thrown up. Number two, it doesn't sink when it's in water. And number three, it can walk by itself. Damn. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool, visually. <laughs> yeah. You know, that that definitely sounds amazing. And maybe that's why he likes to take um, people with long, twisted hair as his children. Yeah, so when he said that, I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense because he has long, he's known for his long, thread-like plait. Yeah. Indeed, that tracks. Okay, we could literally talk for days about Aziza and the Uruba Pantheon because it's literally so extensive but that's all from us and we hope you enjoyed this mini-sode yeah it was kind of like a little segue from the real Aziza that we were talking yeah. about which are fairies but it was such an interesting character that yeah, we had I mean, to this happens all the time when we research something we go into like a rabbit hole of something else that leads us to something else and now we've unlocked this whole new Pantheon yeah, albeit it's still in Nigeria, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. we said, African mythology is complex, it's deep, and it's rich, and, it's and that's why we love it. Yeah, so you know, we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> Indeed. So let us know how you found this minisode by leaving a review, of course. And you can stay up to date with us and what's going on in our studio by following us on TikTok, Instagram, and Pinterest at adechi.atalia. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this little bite-sized treat of an episode. And until next time, and as always, thank you for taking the time to explore the world of, of African, African mythology, mythology with, with us. us. Solomon Adra. Solomon. Solomon. <laughs> <laughs>